everyone. In this episode of History Unloaded, the Black Friday episode of History Unloaded, I thought that Danny and I could talk about how our virtual summit went. If you aren't aware that we just hosted a virtual summit, it's because we didn't have the foresight to plug it on the podcast. I almost did another scheduling mistake, much like we messed up the symposium schedule. You said this is the Black Friday edition, and I was like, it's not Friday yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> I suck at this. <laughs> um, but yeah, we wanted to talk about the summit because it actually, like, I think it was the most excited Danny and I have been about anything in a long time. I mean, I was, yeah. Was that I, I would say yes, that's accurate. So if you weren't a part of the summit, let me kind of give you a rundown on what it was and why we did it. And then we'll talk a little bit more about the actual, like how it went and, and what we talked about and all that kind of cool stuff. So every year on site at the Cody Farms Museum, and we were hoping to travel it this year, we host the Kurt Swanson View Holtz Arsenals of History Symposium. We've been doing it for four years, I think now, and it's usually been more museum professional focused mainly because it's hard to get to Cody so you don't get a lot of like public facing um opportunities when you're talking of like that didn't even make any sense but let me let me back that up so typically when we do our symposium on site where we focus it more towards museum professionals because the first year we tried to do public days but when people come to Cody like they're not there to sit down and go and listen to a symposium all day like they're on their way to Yellowstone. Especially down in the summer. Yeah so it, it, it hasn't been incredibly successful for having kind of like the public interface um, and then obviously COVID hit this year and we weren't able to do our symposium on site at Springfield Armory the historic site that at, like we had hoped and so we wanted to still kind of keep the energy rolling and do something and so we decided to take it online and to make it much more uh, for the public than necessarily for the museum people. But we got, you know, a lot of the same people from the museum world, plus a lot of new people. But we thought maybe like this year we could do one day on a Saturday, encourage whiskey drinking and engagement with firearms professionals from around the world, really, to talk about gun history, gun museums, gun laws, really any topic related to what we do at the Cody Firearms Museum. And it was really cool because we had a lot of, um, we had a lot of really positive response to the fact that we really didn't pitch it until two weeks out from the date we were planning on doing it. And so, Danny, do you want to talk a little bit about like who was there and what we talked about? Uh, sure. I've, so we had, as Ashley said, we had a lot of people from all over the country and all over the world, um, join us for this. And traditionally when we've done the symposium in person, we've had mostly larger institutions come out to Cody, um, places like the Met or Springfield Armory or, uh, the Smithsonian. They can afford it. Great. Those larger institutions yeah. that are dedicated, so dedicated to arms and armor that it makes sense. You know, a regular, a museum that has an armor and arm arms and armor collection is less likely to dedicate the resources to send somebody out here um, for that kind of symposium. But it's always been impressive who we could get out here. Um, but as Ashley mentioned, there's always been that limitation on, can we, can we get the regular public? We've also always had a stated goal of the symposium being for other like smaller institutions to help them, you know, all of us with large firearms collections can come together sort of figure out what it, you know, best practices and talk about best practices and then pass that on to other institutions. 
um, that don't have those dedicated resources. But again, you know, if they're not coming here, that makes it a little bit harder. So we started to think of traveling the symposium as one idea to get more outreach and just to share, um, you know, around with other institutions, the chance to have everybody on site. Um, but that didn't happen. And so going virtual um, was pretty great. And we had to change how we talked about things and some of the topics that we could address. We had to, you know, there are some drawbacks to doing a virtual symposium in that um, you have to keep the topics a little simpler. I think uh, it's the discussion in some ways can be harder or it can be a lot easier. I think we got a lot of really good questions and conversations going, so that was um, good. But uh, we just sort of dialed it back so that we could do something rather than you know just say, well, we'll wait till next year or whatever. Uh, and I think uh, it turned out really well. And we talked about everything from you know just simple tours of the various collections that were involved to you know some pretty in-depth stuff like displaying uh the macabre or you know displaying guns that have been used in violence you know we had the ford theater on there to talk about displaying the derringer that killed lincoln the actual one not just the gun that's like the one that killed lincoln that everybody calls gun museums about um so yeah we we had a pretty wide range of topics and all in all like this virtual symposium was better than a lot of, you know, I'm biased obviously, but it was better than a lot of the in-person museum symposiums I've been to because those are a drag. But we should point out that if you actually want to attend one of our in-person symposiums, when we get them back up and running, they are a hoot. <laughs> yes, and that was a goal a that we fun. always set out with to do is to like, our, our symposium was always, we always wanted it to be a little bit different because Ashley and I have been in the field for a while now. We've been going to museum conferences for a while now. And I've learned things at those conferences. I've learned valuable things, but they start to really be the same like all the time where it's like we go around and everybody just wants to start the conversation, like the most overused phrase in museums right now. And you talk about basically the same things at every conference and it's often with the same people it's really hard to get firearms topics presented at these conferences and everybody has the same set of scarves and that got old so we have always tried to like make ours more interesting than that. i feel like no one's gonna like get that joke no if you've never been to a museum conference you won't get my scarf joke but if you have you'll know exactly what i'm talking about you know exactly well, and what was neat about this summit was we were able to get a lot of, well, we, we initially were going to just make it the highlights reel, like some of our favorite, you know, participate, you know, participants over the years, some of the really interesting topics that we thought would be of, you know, prime interest to kind of a more public online audience. But then it honestly morphed into a combination of like, hey, you're sitting at home and bored and maybe you never will get to Las Vegas and here's a museum that you'll never get to walk through if you never go, you know, if you're never able and capable to visit. And so that was really neat. And then being able to have like, Ian McCollum. Um, Ian came to our symposium in person the year before, but you know, so many people love Ian online, which is like the understatement of the century. And so we just kind of let Ian sit there for an hour and answer questions, you know, so people that, you know, wouldn't necessarily get to interact with him, even if they came in person, because, you know, it's just the format of being in person, you know, everyone has to wait their turn to ask a question. Whereas online, we had the chat feature rolling. So, you know, it was just like, brrr, you know, type your questions. And, you know, Ian got to the ones that he could, 
um, verbally. And then he was answering questions, you know, through the chat feature later. And so it really kind of gave everyone an opportunity to kind of speak their piece. And then we also had new people. Um, and I personally, the, 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 uh, not just the new people like the Ford's theater, but the video game streaming was really cool. I mean, that's stuff you really were not going to get. Um, I feel like I would have been uncomfortable just sitting in Danny's room watching him play video games and talk about guns. It felt a lot less awkward on a video streaming platform, you know? It, yeah. Like, nobody could have... We couldn't have fit everybody from the symposium into our... Into my living room. I have a tiny apartment. Like, that wouldn't have worked. And just the logistics of doing that in person, you know, that's... It's, it's something I've always wanted to do because I like video games. I like guns. And there's a lot of guns featured in video games but the logistics of it would never really work and plus it's always sort of i mean we could have done it at our own symposium because we set the schedule we set the topics but it's always a little bit like you don't want to i don't know we went to these things and we set the topics and it's like all right let's try to not we want to have fun but like let's not totally embarrass ourselves in front of the royal armories and the smithsonian and a bunch of other people and so it was we never were quite bold enough to like do that in person but when it's a more informal setting like this, like, why not go for it? Let's stream a video game. Let's talk about like why this is important, um, you know, in terms of public perception about old firearms and that sort of thing and have a lot of fun with it and watch Danny get shot a ton. So yeah, that, my that initial, Danny, my, Danny, my initial um, description of the YouTube video version of it um, was watch Danny Michael lose that <laughs> We did. We totally lost that round. My team was awful. I blame the team. But I think that my favorite part of that was when you guys popped out the Calibri. <laughs> I um, mean, just so random. Like, I'm not a video game person at all. And that was the funniest thing on the planet to me, that this tiny, 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 tiny little gun randomly pops up in this World War One video game. It was, And then getting to see it, I mean, it was just, it was a hoot. And for the record, um, like, we were taking requests at that point for what gun I should use in game and somebody requested that I try to get a, a kill with the Calibri in game it's very difficult and our team was already losing and I tried I made a very good effort and I actually did damage so they said that counted so I'm proud of um I appreciate that you're gonna blame our viewership for why you lost Battlefield 1 we were we were taking <laughs> we were taking no the requests. team was losing and I'm not blaming our viewership I'm blaming the people that were playing <laughs> on my team that I did not know um. Well, and I think too, it, um, what was really interesting as well in terms of the discussion, personally, I felt like the discussion was better than a lot of the discussions we have when we have a public presentation. I mean, our conversations tend to be really good in the museum like workshops that we do in person because everybody pretty much knows each other. And, and so the, the stress of asking a question isn't really that big of a deal. But like when I go to, I don't know if I, I might be the only person, but I doubt I am because of how much engagement we had on Zoom. Um, when I go to a big public lecture with someone that I you know admire and even maybe someone I don't know who they are, but they're talking like, and I have a question, like I have to rehearse it in my head like 15 times before they call on me so that I remember the question and don't sound like an idiot. And half the times I punk out and I'm like, never mind. You know, so right. I think that, you know, being able to, you know, not show your face on the screen and, you know, type a question, you know, there, I feel like there's a lot less pressure 
Um, you know, and we, we had the number one rule at the beginning of the day, which is don't be a dick. You know, so I specifically said, if you're mean to like other people in the chat, if you're mean to our speakers, I'm going to kick you out. And, and not, we didn't have one issue with that. And we had, you know, solidly about a hundred people coming and going throughout the day. We had about 185, I think RSVP. And then a lot of people hung out the whole day and then a lot of people came and went. And so the fact that we could have, you know, sometimes dramatic conversations about firearms, uncomfortable conversations about firearms on the internet <laughs> with a hundred people in a chat feature and not get any name calling or nastiness. I mean, I think it really made a lot of people who probably would not want to participate. They might sit there and listen, but not participate and engage in person. It gave them an opportunity and an outlet to do so with people that they admire or people they didn't, you know, the question's not stupid if you, you know, are hiding behind a computer screen, I, I, I guess, in your mentality. Well, and I think, I think we got a lot better questions. Maybe it's just the audience. So not to be like too self-congratulatory here, but it was surprising to me that it worked out so much better because we've all been to a talk or something like that. You go to a lecture, you go to a conference, and there's a speaker you really want to hear, and you go there and you think about something that you'd like to know about the topic that you want to ask. And they leave like 10 or 15 minutes for a Q&A at the end and like three questions get answered and you have to hope that you're one of them. So we got way more questions in, which I, I was, I, I, I thought that was a lot better than the in-person version of the same lectures. I had thought, okay, so I'm going to play this pre-recorded uh, video and then, you know, you'll have 15 minutes to ask your questions at the end. But what ended up happening partway through the day, especially during Nick, um, Nick from, um, and, uh, NR Jens and Jones uh, from Armament Research Services. He did an amazing presentation on uh, a handbook he's working on on small arms terminology. Well, the audience that we had for this was definitely interested in kind of the, the, that kind of technical information. And so I looked down at my phone because I was running Zoom both on my computer for people for screen share and then just making sure it was all working on my uh, on a separate account. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, people are asking questions throughout this entire presentation. And you know, and so Nick was already engaging with them and other people were answering the questions. And so it ended up being like, you had the whole time to ask a question. And we're, I guess we're in such a state in our society where like at least our generation and younger, and, and I guess like a little bit older, we're so used to like listening and then still like multitasking that like, it's not like they weren't listening and they were at, you know, actively listening to the presentation, but they were able to chat the whole time. And it was really cool. Yeah. It was very cool to have the presenters be able to answer a question as their presentation was playing and yeah. animate it. Like, because I've also been in those situations where you think of something really interesting or you're really curious about like mid lecture. And then by the time you get to it, like you said, you have to like rehearse it a bunch or you'll forget. I also <laughs> think that the advantage of this was that I've been to too many in-person lectures and conference sessions where like somebody in the room at the end of the lecture wants to prove that they're really intelligent and like they ask oh, a question that is them just like talking and you're like, yeah. what are you here for other than your own ego? And that was mostly, I don't know if it's a function of having to ask your questions through chat that you don't want to type out some like long winded thesis statement or just a function that we had some really good people in the room that were really passionate about the subject and there for the right reasons. Um, either way, we didn't get any of that. And 
it almost like it always seems to happen in person for whatever reason. So I think the yeah, I think right. the anonymity, like people like, oh, I'm just an anonymous dude on like behind my Zoom screen. So people won't know, like people won't be able to see how smart I am. And I think like people that want that want the in-person version, which I don't know. Now I'm just like going off on a rant, like what grinds my gears. No, 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 no. I t- I I hadn't thought about that. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. You always get that person that you know wants to show you what they know too and we had like it's not like but it's 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 annoying when it's in person you know because they take up the whole you know they, they almost take up the whole q a session just trying to say what they want to say and we had lots of side conversations so it wasn't like you know it was all questions all the time i mean there were a lot of people with a lot of different uh, backgrounds and expertise in the room and so like i thought it was really interesting during the ford's theater presentation about how the you know government initially was very hesitant to display the uh derringer that was used in the assassination of president lincoln and then how they're interpreting it today there was a side conversation going and i'm sure there were a lot of side conversations we didn't see so maybe those were douchey i don't know but the side conversation that was going on in the public chat was um predominant like they, they were talking about you know the, the the browning that was used in the assassination of archduke franz ferdinand and bonnie and clyde's car and like other institutions that they knew were you know also dealing with this kind of topic so it was i don't know it was just really refreshing and exciting to see people engaging in the material that you find interesting and then adding to the conversation. Um, I guess a real quick, let me just run through what all of the presentations were just yeah, so you're kind of, um, and, and um, so the, the presentations were, we started the morning off with us, of course. Uh, so we started off with a 15 minute pre-recorded tour of the Cody Firearms Museum and then we answered questions and then it merged into a live discussion between, was, it was basically Danny and I moderating a discussion on um, how U.S. gun laws affect museums uh, that are non-government and then we realized um, from thanks to Ian that we screwed up the schedule so we had to get a little creative. So the next presentation was uh, Nick from Aries doing a small arms terminology presentation and discussion. Then we had um, basically the hour long Ask Ian Anything hour. Uh, and after that we had displaying artifacts of tragedy with the Ford's Theater. We followed that up with a virtual tour of the Mob Museum, and then we had the senior director of content from that department uh, talking, you know, answering questions and also talking about their uh, law enforcement simulator that they didn't have in the video. Um, then we went to Danny and um, Jonathan from the Royal Armories discussing historic guns in while they were playing the, the video game Battlefield 1. Or the record. And then after that, Ashley texted me at the start of the Battlefield One session, like as we had a little bit of technical trouble getting it up and running, but then we did. So like they'd stalled a little bit. Then we we got it running, and Ashley texted me at the start of it, like, "Hey, no pressure. The chair of the board just joined the meeting." So <laughs> Peter Kuyper. <laughs> I don't know what I, I was supposed supposed to expect, like playing a video game professionally, quote unquote, in front of the chair of my. He loved it. Did you got his email afterwards? Yeah. He thought the whole thing was great. I just thought it was funny that, yeah, the chair of our board, like we just finished having two very, you know, academic dialogues, you know, with a hundred people on, you know, how to discuss crime and tragedy in museums. And then the chair of our board hops on when Danny starts playing a video game. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> I was like, well, this is, this is not an optimal time to, to log on. Um, then after the video game, we had, uh, we did basically a breakout session. Danny led a session on 
uh, well, it started off as a session on caring for your private collections, but it was basically just a Q&A. And then I had a much smaller group, so we just basically covered different, it was more of museum people. Um, and it was about, I would say it was probably about two thirds of people that are a part of the symposium every year that really know what they're talking about with guns and museums. And then a, a, a select few people who are from institutions that want to learn. So instead of it being, you know, a presentation to a lot of people that didn't know what, you know, what, what to do with their institutions, I kind of just opened it up to a dialogue with everyone of how do you handle firing pins? How do you handle training procedures and all that stuff? And then we came back and we had a happy hour. And uh, in the future, we'll probably do a breakout, breakout sessions for that. But it worked out really well that we didn't schedule anything for the happy hour because that was when we put the Smithsonian vault tour. Um, we slid that in because it was supposed to be earlier, but we had the scheduling conflict. And so we ended on a tour of the Smithsonian vault, which is something that most people will never see in their entire lives. Right. And then Dave popped on and was answering questions. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. It was a good, it was a good day's worth of stuff. And yeah, I mean, it is no feat to sit in your chair for seven hours and have to be engaged with content, but we really never had a dip in the conversation or a dip in viewership. Well, and like people before this had said, I mean, people had said before that the like limit for a Zoom call is like an hour, an hour and a half. Like you start, you know, because people have been doing Zoom all this year. And so they've started to figure out like, all right, here's where you get your limit, whether it's a classroom or, you know, a business meeting or whatever. Uh, we totally ignored that and just straight up went for seven hours. And I think we had one intermission. <laughs> yeah, we and, and we weren't even planning. It was a five minute intermission and we weren't even planning. Yeah, unplanned. Well, because my thought was, um, well, we don't need to schedule real breaks like you would in person because people could just get up and take breaks as they needed. But I think most people were just really engaged in it and they didn't walk away. Um, but yeah, it was a really exciting day because it was cool to see so many people. I'm glad it wasn't bigger than it was, you know, at least for the first time, because there were kinks we had to work out. And I just enjoyed every single conversation. Hey, Camila, what was your favorite one? I didn't watch it. I know you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't invited. No one, neither of you invited I, um, me. I sent multiple staff, all staff emails. And that was the, nobody got invited. I'm not technically a staff of the Neither center. am I, but I still showed up and did it. Because you organized it. <laughs> no blame on uh, me here. But I, I, I have another follow-up question. So this one's actually a little bit of like professional advice, interview advice, maybe. I don't know, meeting <laughs> advice. Actually, what was the what was the dress code for our symposium on I'm actually wearing the shirt I wore for the day, the Civil War tee about going to surprise Harry Heath. That's the yeah, one I got. I wore a t-shirt. That was cool. I was a little worried because I didn't put a dress code out to like our speakers. And I was pleasantly surprised that other than Nick, who just does Nick all the time, um, and kind of looked like a Bond villain. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. I believe there were some comparisons in the chat, in the rolling chat, there were some comparisons to Miami. See, Vice. I totally, like, he totally put out Bond villain to me because, you know, he had the the light colored suit and like the, the pink, was it a flower ascot? And then he had the beard, but it wasn't just the look, it was the environment he was in too. Like, you know, it just felt like he was uh just a straight bond villain which i is a compliment coming from me but like everybody else was just kind of like in you know 
t-shirts and stuff. And so I was, I, I was a little worried that like, you know, I was going to roll in on a t-shirt in the morning and then like, you know, everyone was going to be like in suits and I was going to be like, Oh no. I was worried about that too. I chickened out cause I threatened to wear just a hoodie to the whole thing. And I, I chickened out and I like at least threw a flannel shirt yeah. on, but I definitely still wore sweatpants. Um, I had yoga pants on, but whatever. It's 2020. Nobody's concerned. My cat kept meowing. And then like, I would, when I would walk away from the computer, if I wasn't like moderating something and I'd have my headphones in from the other account, I could hear the cat meowing through (laughs) Zoom. And I was like, shut up. Uh, I, that was, since you said it's 2020 and nobody cares. The other thing I was pleasantly surprised about is like, since we've been back to work, here at the CFM and the center, like I kind of have forgotten how many of our colleagues in the museum world haven't. And so for a lot of people, this was like their, and all the professional events this year have all been canceled. Like that's like your interaction with the field this year has been zero. And it was surprising and encouraging to me to hear like a lot of people afterwards say, Hey, this was really great. Like this is my first like serious, you know, and it wasn't that serious uh, to be honest, but, this is like my first professional interaction in the field um, this year. Yeah. So that was really rewarding to like, to hear from our. To hear from so our the moral of the story is that we were planning on just doing one virtual summit to get us through to when we can go in person, but we enjoyed the engagement and the audience and, and the content so much that um, Danny and I are currently trying to figure out if this is something we do once a year, twice a year to supplement an in-person because there are, you know, you, you think about the in-person, there's a cost factor there. There's a, you know, time factor. There's a, uh, you know, a, a comfort level um, factor with, you know, being out in public and asking questions and engaging, you know, with people face to face. And so this provides a whole new audience, a whole new outlet. So we are going to do more. And if you didn't get to, oh, and I did get a couple of emails, Danny, from people who attended the summit that are now listening to the podcast. Um, and yeah, That's right. Scary. Um, so if you didn't get to, um, you know, attend our summit or you didn't hear about it, you know, don't, don't be too offended because like I said, we started advertising two weeks in advance cause you know, we really didn't you know we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants, um, on a lot of it. Um, but mm-hmm. what I have done is we took, I recorded the whole day. Um, unfortunately you can't see the really awesome chat that went on like offline, but, um, you still get, um, a good idea in the Q and a sessions. And so every, um, every session that was permitted by the institution to go up onto YouTube is, um, being posted to YouTube. Um, I've actually uploaded them all. So every day a new one's coming out. So by the end of this week, so when you're listening to this, all of the videos that are going to be up from the summit are up on YouTube. So you can take a listen, you can kind of hear what people were talking about, um, you know, put comments in YouTube and kind of keep the discussion going. So we, we really recommend that you go to the Cody Firearms Museum YouTube page and check out the discussions. Um, I had, you know, it, it's a value to a lot of people who could make it to some sessions, but not others, but we wanted to kind of keep living on and, and, and letting the dialogue continue and hopefully the energy increase so that we can do it again and hopefully do it with way more people and maybe multiple days and new topics and, and subjects to cover. I'm, I'm going to YouTube to see if the video game stream is uh, That's the second to last one, so it shouldn't be up yet. It should be up tomorrow. Um, oh. And by tomorrow, I mean two days ago. 
Hey, we actually have a bunch of views. Oh, we do? That's cool. And by a bunch, I mean like 30 to 40. But that's not bad. I mean, we've literally never used our YouTube channel. So <laughs> and yes, we've we've been sitting on a YouTube account for years without using it. Um, and the and I think, you know, we're into YouTube so much now that we may actually start releasing the podcast on YouTube as well. Um, but we have to shower and stuff for that. So we'll see if that happens. We'll see. And Danny goes and to work. I think we should. <laughs> I think for our listeners that have made it this far in, we should offer the reward that we want to hear what they would like firearms museum professionals to talk about at the next symposium tentatively scheduled for February, maybe. Oh my, what? Denny, I might be living in Germany in February. Oh, okay. So like maybe March. March? <laughs> I should be, if, I, if, I go, if I'm able to get my work visa, <laughs> I will be in Germany in February, but I'll be back in March, like mid-March. So um, I'm happy to start doing that. But uh, February, and I, I, I love you all, but there's no world where I'm working a whole day in Germany and then starting this. Like, <laughs> Oh, come on. You should like just post up in the Bundeswehr Museum or like somewhere, some firearms museum in Europe that hasn't participated yet and just like post up in there and host it from there. <laughs> but not tell them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just they haven't, like, they haven't emailed cabinet. back to our invites. They just get to be host. Oh my gosh. Okay, wait, we might need to make that happen. <laughs> I don't know if museums are open in Germany though, so we'll have to see. Eh, probably not. Yeah, so anyways. I, but I've anyways, more of the story, much. if you're listening to the, <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast, uh, and whether you came over from the symposium to the podcast or are one of our regular listeners and you have things that you would like us to talk about at the next symposium that you're curious, how do firearms museums deal with this? What do they talk about? What's in their collections? Maybe a collection that you would like to get a tour of. Where should they send that email to Ashley? Uh, the email is firearmshistorymuseums at gmail.com. Also, the way I said your name was very accusatory. That's okay. Your like screen has been frozen the entire time you've been talking. So, I mean, I it's whatever. I stopped listening a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back with um, our more traditional content next week. I uh, hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving and is using our podcast on Black Friday to either calm your nerves while you Black Friday shop or sleep. Thanks to tryptophan and turkey. Are people Black Friday shopping this year? Are they allowed? Well, I guess we're going to find out. I guess so. <laughs> online. It's a lot of oh, online. right. It right, actually right, kind right. of bummed me out because online stuff started sooner. But like, I mean, theoretically, um, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say it. On, I'm not going to say it. Well. Where I thought you were going with that recovering from like Black Friday shopping, I thought you were going to be like recovering from the family argument at the dinner table. Ooh, didn't, to take it dark. Didn't even think about family arguments, but I bet there's going to be a lot this year. Anywho, Anywho. To the <laughs> don't fight with your family. Watch our YouTube video and engage in a very good discourse at the Thanksgiving dinner table on firearms history and museums. And who knows, maybe I'll keep streaming Battlefield. Yeah, he won't. <laughs> See y'all. Bye.